This is episode four of the Financial Father and Son podcast, where we explore the various ways the younger generation can achieve financial independence. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about investing as a habit and how you can build a habit for investing just like anything else. We're going to be specifically covering why you should be treating your investments as a subscription and why timing the market rarely works in your favor. As per usual, I'm joined by my father, the co-host of the show. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Hi, Dad. Hi, Jay. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, So let's start. Why do we have to automatically invest our money? Yeah, so this is about uh, human behavior and it's about uh, behavioral economics. You know, um, we, we have to find ways of nudging ourselves into doing the right things. So this is about um, human behavior and, and it, it, it goes at the heart of why we, you know, consume, why we save, you know, why we behave in a certain way. So automation of things like savings and investments is a good thing because we need these kind of tools to nudge ourselves into a good practice and this is this is something then you don't have to worry about every month and it's it's more important therefore you know once you've figured out your investment vehicle to make this payment you know every month into the markets into your savings account and then you don't have to worry about it so it sounds kind of like a subscription so you could think of it like a maybe a more expensive spotify or something yeah, it is. It's, it is. You can treat it just like a subscription. You can say that, you know, this is the amount, you know, this is my business, my home business, and this is the amount we bring in. And this is the amount we need for, you know, certain outgoings. But the first thing I want to make sure that, you know, my income is set aside for is uh, our future. And, and so that means uh, you pay yourself first. And so this automation is a very, very powerful tool which not enough people you know apply and I've been applying it for years and it works because you don't worry about what's going on in the news you you just automatically commit to this subscription as you put it so how did you guys set aside money then did you do it as soon as money came into your account is that when you put it into investments or was there a set date every month that money came out and went into you know Vanguard yeah I think Generally, in the early days, um, before Vanguard, yeah, the money would go from the employer first into the private pension, okay? So you would receive your pay net of whatever decision you made. And uh, sorry, this auto-enrollment also applies to pensions in the workplace because there I made a commitment to additional voluntary contributions. So I knew that my pay would be shrunk yeah, and 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 intentionally so. So that then defines your budget. You know, kind of what's what's left over. Now, later, when we got into property and and then building that side business up slowly, because it took a long time. I mean, it took nearly a decade. Um, there, the, the, the there were no great returns to speak of in the early years because it was just all seemed like costs. But, you know, now that I have over a decade uh, of uh, returns uh, and I can see the the tax return data, you pop it into an Excel, 
you can do the chart and you can see how the, the net return actually has grown. Therefore, a few years ago, when I started doing the Vanguard investments quite aggressively, uh, I, I basically estimated how much profit we're making from the properties after tax. And then I decided that I would put the full amount and probably a bit more because I didn't need that money. But what date did you put it in? Was there a specific like, okay, on uh, the 15th of each month, I'm going to take money out and that's going into Vanguard? Uh, yeah, it's usually you get paid end of the month. I get paid end of the month. So it would be, for example, mortgage outgoings happen first of the month and it, it probably doesn't matter. I think the Vanguard goes out middle of the month. In fact, yeah. um, but you had a set date. It's a set so date. It's, it's the fifteenth of each month. I know that, for example, the big items, the big, you know, like the mortgages, which not very much these days, but all of the mortgages, and of course we had a few, but they've been mostly paid off. But they would all go on the first. You know, I instructed all the different banks take the money on the first, yeah, or closest date thereafter, because then I I knew at the beginning of the month what's left the account, and then. Middle of the month, you know, and it doesn't matter, you can do it day after payday. I mean, ideally, you kind of do it after payday. This uh, commitment, this investment commitment goes out to Vanguard. But the point is, it's automatic. You know, no matter if the market's up or down, every month it, it, it's a commitment and you know exactly what annual input you're going to put into the markets. So, so what about the people that say, I need to time the market? You know, maybe they have a few thousand saved up or whatever the amount is and they're scared to put that whole thing in the market. What, what should they do? Well, look, the, the, let's unpack also why, we're, why I'm talking about automation because the idea here is to get over ourselves. We are the worst enemies, you know, when it comes to investing in our, in our you know, uh, investing in the markets because we f fear loss and this is called the loss aversion. And so Thala talks about this. He's the, he says that, you know, the, the pain of losing money is worse. I think it's about twice the happiness you make or feel from making money. Mm. So you might, you, you could have a gain in the market and that gives you a certain sort of sense of, you know, well-being or whatever. A dopamine hit. Yeah, but then when the market, you know, makes a little dip or it could be a big dip, because you're watching the news and, and by the way, it, it changes every single day that the market is trading. It's always up and down, up and down. It's, it's millions of buying and selling decisions. You, you don't know what's going to happen. And unless you get out of the market, you're not realizing any of these losses. So it doesn't really matter to you exactly. if you're up or down. It doesn't really matter. And the, the name of the game is you're collecting units. You're a, you're a collector. You're collecting shares, you're collecting uh, more and more units every month. So that's why auto enrollment's great. Auto um, commitment, you know, on a monthly basis is, is useful, just like a, a, a commitment you make when you join a gym, because they make you sign a contract, you know, for 12 months. Uh, if you break the contract, you know, there's a penalty. It's a, it's, I'm just trying to give you an analogy that here, the foregone opportunity will be the returns you forego over decades and decades but, by not doing this this investment into the markets. But then people who do have a large sum of money that they want to put in the markets, mm. 
there must be a way for them to, I don't know, evenly spread out the contributions. Can they do that? Can they do it each month and just cut it up into small pieces? You, you can. I mean, do you mean like manual? Can, can, they be, can they make these payments on their own, you know, every month? Yeah. On a man, yeah, you can, and some people do. Some people, you know, do, do other other kinds of do-it-yourself investors will make a commitment to buy uh, an investment index fund every month or every quarter. But for me, because it's, I prefer the lazy approach. I'm yeah. quite lazy. I want to automate things. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to look at spreadsheets for hours and hours uh, uh, every you know month. I want to get on with fun things okay yeah. although i have a detailed spreadsheet and i can refer to it and i update it it doesn't take more than 10 minutes to update every month yeah uh, and that's the beauty of it once you've created this system and then you know that there's uh, i mean who pays bills by sending a check in the old days you send a check by post to pay for electricity and that's how my parents did it yeah uh, it's only because of innovation like direct debits that, that, you know, people pay the bills automatically and it's the same thing again, you know, maybe some people still do pay bills monthly because they feel that they can control it. It's like a budget yeah. and they know, and that's also fine, but it does require effort. Me personally, I think um, I'm very happy with the idea of automation as long as you know what you're spending your money on. So this subscription, as you put it, is is a good thing when you invest you know in index funds every month i think that's a that's a good habit but then you want to look at all your other subscriptions because you know there's there's maybe there's things subscriptions that, that are paying you which is the vanguard then there's subscriptions like that are paying other people and you want to and, minimize and yeah and taking from you yeah so you know one is contributing to your future freedom mm. the other one is holding your future freedom back yeah and that balance is the gap between income and saving. Okay. What about when there's a market crash or a downfall in the market or, you know, there's the market's down over... Which there always is. Yeah, they always are. It must make sense to automatically pay money into Vanguard or whatever investment company you use because you don't know when these downfalls are going to happen, Right. And sometimes they happen so quickly that you can't even time it to, to, to get in for that discount. Because obviously when, when the market does fall, uh, to most people it looks bad, but to index investors especially, it looks good because it's a discount. They get the same amount of company, the same percentage of company for a cheaper price. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And you, you cannot, uh, as you put it, you, you can't time the market. People think they can time the market and... They'll sit on the sidelines with cash. Meanwhile, the market's gone up and then they're absolutely fearful of well, when do I go back in? There's no point playing that game. Like, for example, this March, in March 2020, hmm. there was a what, over 30% drop in US markets, right? Or global markets. Yeah, it was a bit painful. Yeah. Um, you know, it went down so quickly and then it came back up so quickly within like uh, the time span of like a month or something. And if you were sitting on the sidelines with a lump sum waiting to invest, you may well have missed your chance because you're always searching for the bottom and you're never really going to find that bottom because you're only going to realize the bottom's there when it starts rebounding. So you're, you are better off than just investing every month, little bit, little bit, little bit each month. It, it's of, get rich slowly. Yeah. It's, it's, if, you, if you're afraid of the stock market, 
then what will you do? You're literally going to just do the the most safest thing, which is the default decision for most people, which is I'm going to put money in a savings account. And that idea of a savings account, that's not an investment. It's just an emergency fund. It's just cash sitting there doing nothing, really. I read something today about that. It said, have you ever met a millionaire who got rich by putting money in a savings account? Just saving. No. And just, yeah, never. nothing. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's always in the markets or in a business or... The average person won't achieve... I mean, you need at least uh, to build a million, say, in order to... Uh, recognize that that's a sufficient resource to cover your living expenses on an yeah. annual basis, the 4% rule. So that's that's the, how do I buy my freedom? Okay, you, you have to build a certain amount of wealth. You, you can't do it with 100,000. I mean, yeah. that, that means, you, you know, who's, who can live on 4,000 a year? But if you think a million and 4%, that's 40,000. Yeah, now... A million is, uh, sorry, 40,000 is above the average household spending, e.g. in the UK. So it doesn't matter which country you live in. You just say, uh, understand what is the median household income in country X, Y, or Z. You know, what's my lifestyle like? What would I be happy with uh, as as a minimum amount to live off? And then you work out your, your drawdown. So... You can either multiply your expense by 25 or you can say 4% of a big, you know, like a pot, like a million pounds or a million dollars. But yes, you're not, I mean, if, if if you avoid the stock market, you're really limiting your options because what else is there? And not everybody can afford to buy a rental property. It requires commitment. There's there's friction. There's a lot of friction involved and other added risk and it's very personal and you need a solicitor and you need to do certain things. You need to check the property. You might need to get a surveyor and all this kind of stuff. There's more headache with that as well as we've discussed previously. It it definitely can be. I'll give you the analogy... um, story which I picked up from somebody which was that you know well they wouldn't invest ever in the stock market because as as new immigrants to a you know the UK all they knew was to work hard save and then they wanted to have an efficient way of building wealth and so they got into the property game yeah it's not really a game game and I'm talking about you know you know my uncles and aunts and sort of family members uh and for them it worked i mean they they built wealth slowly over a 20 30 40 50 year period they're in their 70s and 80s now Mm. okay and they arrived in the uk back in the 60s and 70s we arrived there in the 70s so for them it was a very very slow method but it was their way of thinking how can i put my money to work you know, every pound or dollar, you know, it, it should be working for you. And the way you do that is it, it, you're buying an asset. And that's what the stock market is. Yeah, and back then, I guess, index funds weren't as easily accessible. So property was easier to, easier to get into. I mean, you could say that. It, I mean, there were certainly very few uh, rental property owners back in those days. Oh yeah, you were more like landed gentry, mm. Duke of you know London or something. Uh, 
but maybe later it became more popular after the 1980s financial revolution mm. and deregulation by Thatcher. But it's it's still something that people can get into today. There's just different ways of getting into it. You know, pe- there's more, for example, choice of brand new apartments. So up and down any country in any big city, you know, there there are, there are going to be developments, mm. and and these are the kind of developments that appeal to you know uh, landlords, so or investors, I should say, in, in the property investors. But but we're off track a bit. We want to go back to this automation and habit. So investing in the stock market and building your wealth slowly, it's cultivating these good habits, and and then you know you're looking after your future self. You know, you're making the right decision because if anything were to go wrong in three years, five years, 10 years, who's going to say, oh, that was a mistake investing in the markets because now you've amassed something. You've amassed a a pot. So that's helpful. And for people, okay, we'll go back to your property thing. Not everyone's going to have a lump sum to put as a down payment. If you're starting from zero, for example the best opportunity for you to gain wealth over a period of time is the stock market, right? Because you can put in such a small amount per month, Mm. but in the future, it's going to be worth so much more. It's like, I think after a 40 year period on average, a dollar or a pound invested now in the S&P is $20 or 20 pounds. So it's like a 20x multiple over your, your career, basically. Yeah, exactly. You're going you're gonna to see these multiple X's after 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, you yourself, you've just started a Vanguard account and you're not working yet. You know, you're, you're now deciding you've hit 20 and you want to make a start. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that, that's precisely why it's uh, possible for young people because the entry barriers are so low. You yeah. don't need to amass a fortune to get started. You simply open an account and you can, you know, start with a minimum a commitment of £100 a month. I think I started because I, after reading Millionaire Teacher, I made a goal, said I want to try and start an account at least before I'm 21 because he did it at 20. Um, Andrew Hallam, he started mm. investing it when he was 20. Um, like even though I'm not putting a lot in and there is not a lot in the account, it's, uh, it's going to force me to get into that habit I know it's open now, my account. So if I have any extra cash, I can just put it in there, can drip it in there. And, you know, as I said earlier, every pound put in today in 40 years will be roughly 20 pounds. So mm. you do the math on a thousand or a hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah, that's right. And as you eventually start working, it's this is elastic. This decision, you know, you can tweak it. You can yeah. increase your contributions as long as you've set your you know, emergency fund. Yeah. You know, everything that's left over from your um, monthly commitments, Mm. food, rent, whatever, and go straight into the the stock market. Yeah. Just forget about it. it's It's a way to fall back on something. If you just put in a certain amount, you keep putting in whatever it is every month, and then maybe you get to the stage where, oh, I can't put anything else in. I want to try starting a business. I want to try doing this. I can't put anything else in Vanguard. That money's in Vanguard now that you've been contributing from when you started to whenever you stop. And that can just do its thing and grow. And mm. then you can, you know, take a risk somewhere and you've kind of got a fallback plan. 
Um, but that's not really what you, you want to continue to put money in, right? Yeah, you, 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 you do want to continue. And of course, in the UK, you have the uh, tax advantaged accounts as well with Vanguard. So you can, you can contribute within an ISA, for example. Yeah, that's what I set up. So, you know, there's, there's ways and means of doing this. And, and then now you've become more aware, you know what you're doing. In my day, when I was a bit older than you, I was having to use other companies that, you know, Vanguard wasn't in the UK before about 2015. Index funds weren't created before 1976. When you asked, uh, you know, were they accessible back then? They weren't. So because of the general lack of knowledge, my extreme lack of knowledge, so... When I was in my 20s, you know, I might have opened up an account with Hargreaves Lansdowne or these kind of companies in London. Mm. And then you're just, you know, you're committing, you know, a small amount each month. And what I was doing there was actually I was just buying a company. Mm. I was actually stock picking, you know, and trying to build up a portfolio and listening to chatter, watching the news. But it was uh, really... It's not the way to do it at all. You see, now you have these fantastic vehicles available for people and it just makes the whole decision choice so easy to do. And if you automate it, it's even better because you know with index funds, it's it's the most diversified um, vehicle for managing your stock market risk. And therefore then you treat the stock market as a wealth creating machine for you. It will work for you because these are real companies. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, the main thing is then just let the money automatically come out of your account. As they say, pay yourself first. Otherwise, who else is going to pay you? You know, your income that comes from your job or any income source, it's not going to last forever, right? It's going to stop one day. Nobody knows when your work will stop. It will stop. Yeah, it's best to be prepared, I guess. People think, you know, oh, no, it's okay. I'm not going to retire for ages. But two things happen. One is that you will change over time, okay? So if if you're in the same sector and if you're doing the same thing or someone is doing the same job, you will change as you age. Or if you continue doing the same thing, your company will have to change or it gets taken over. Mm. or its competitors do better than your company and then your company falls by the wayside and then your job disappears. So nothing is guaranteed because life doesn't work that way. It's not a straight line. Mm. So therefore you're right. You have to rely on yourself and... And if, if something bad you know, were to happen, at least you've got a fantastic fallback plan and you've yeah. got breathing space. You can maybe even take six months off, have a sabbatical, take yeah. a year off if you want. And you're not under the control or obligation of anybody else. Yeah, you, know, that's you, can, true. you can manage your own destiny in that respect. That is money's power. Because yeah. if, you, if you have money, you have the ability to make your own choices, right? So if someone says something, you know, at work, for example, maybe a higher up or whatever it is, and that doesn't, you don't like that, you can leave on your own terms if you want. You know, you've got choices. You can you can sit back for a few months. You can do what you want. But if you don't have the money, then you're, you're always trying to get that, you know, the paycheck well, you're, to, you're to survive. You're going to be dependent on yeah, dependent. the job. 
and you're going to have to keep every day doing the same thing mm. decade after decade after decade now imagine um, I've always been a late starter I always learned stuff late I wasn't that great at school but I've been able to apply myself somehow continuing to improve continuing to improve and then now could be in a position where the work is just fun yeah you're going to work for fun and that's different for the majority of people who without the backup plan would have to stop at the usual you know age yeah we're talking about 60 65 70 um and we're not talking about stopping working we're just saying choice we're saying you have a chance to to do something else but uh but where does it start it starts from the a long time ago it starts from you know um having good investing habits as cheesy as it sounds your future self will thank you for it yeah yeah that's ex- exactly exactly right uh, you're doing this for your future older self and otherwise you're going to get a face punch from yeah. your future older self and that's what you don't want yeah you know this is this is the idea these discussions you and I are having is another shortcut way of transferring information um precisely why we're doing this because you have an interest in it you're asking questions and so this is not really for me it's for you yeah. And your generation and whoever's listening that thinks that they can make use of this uh, information. Mm. Okay. Well, great. Uh, anything else you want to say or is that okay? No, that's it. Yeah. We'll catch up with you next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The main thing we tried to get across was that investing is a habit and should become a habit like anything else in your life. And to start building that habit you've got to start somewhere so no matter if you're investing five pound a month or dollars or 50 pound a month or 50,000 it doesn't matter you've got to start somewhere and once you make that leap into the world of investing it will become a whole lot easier to part way with money no matter how big or small it is because you've got that habit of money going out of your account into an investment account each month now We host this podcast for free and we don't ask you to pay any money to listen to this. However, I do want to ask one favor. If you know of anybody in your friendship group or family who could benefit from these conversations, please do recommend us to them as this not only grows our small little tribe we've built, but it will also get them on their journey to financial freedom. And what's good with learning about something is you have the ability to share that knowledge with people in your network and grow not only personally, but as a group. If you have any questions or queries, please contact us either by email at financialfatherandson at gmail.com or on Twitter at financialson. Thank you for listening to today's episode and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.